This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down. Okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate, subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on all your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is yet again a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today (laughs) from jolly old England. Okay, no, I'm not from England, but Minnesota Vikings played in England. It was a back and forth game. Looked like the Vikings were going to be fine. Then it looked like the Vikings were screwed. Then it looked like we were going to be fine. Then it looked like the Vikings were going to be screwed. And then it looked like we had it, maybe. And then Will Lutz attempted a 61-yarder after making a 60-yarder just minutes earlier to get things going in the right direction for the Saints. Then it looked like uh, after Greg Joseph made his kick that Will Lutz was going to make a 61-yarder. And then all of a sudden it started to curve a little bit, started to curve a little bit, but from an angle, because the camera angle wasn't perfect in the play and <laughs> where the kick wound up, looked like it came up a little short. It turns out it was not short. The ball was basically slightly hooked to the left, wide left, just slightly enough that it hit the upright twice. It hit the left upright and then the bottom upright. That's where I thought, oh, it was short by like a, like a half a yard, but no, it did have the distance. It just had hooked enough that it was going to miss. That being the ball, the Minnesota Vikings escape. England, London, King Charles's dominion, and whoever the heck else. <laughs> the young Lions defeated the uh, current Lions, the old Lions. I mean, the young Lions of the United States, yes. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings, anyway, defeated the New Orleans Saints 28-25 to in a double-doink near, <laughs> near something craziness, but ended up escaping with the win. I drugged that out a little too far, and I apologize. So, yeah. (laughs) But what do you expect in such a weird game? What do you expect when it's Vikings versus Saints? It's always dramatic. It's always crazy. Just like I knew the NFC Championship game was going to be dramatic and back and forth, but I thought maybe, just maybe, the Vikings would escape New Orleans all those years ago with something similar to what happened today and what happened the year before, 2008. A back and forth, crazy mess of a football game. 
where, yeah, I mean, it just it, it broke all of our hearts. Antoine Winfield ended up being the hero on that day, from what I remember correctly. And yes, I was podcasting Purple Mafia in 2008. I was a I was a rookie podcaster in that year, but yeah, but yeah, we get the idea. We, I came in as a veteran because I used to record tapes all the time, just messing around, playing video games as a as a youngster. Oh boy, well. What what more is there to say? Andy Dalton is you know Andy Dalton has beaten the Vikings many times in the past with Cincinnati almost uh, well and then obviously with Dallas not so long ago after leaving Cincinnati becoming a backup quarterback due to the way things have changed in Cincinnati of course obviously they look very promising comes to New Orleans and just about has the Vikings beat again. Minnesota did beat Cincinnati one time with Andy Dalton, a quarterback, because the Vikings were having their best season in forever, a 13-3 team. And again, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the time were bottoming out around that time. So that's kind of how things go there. Latavius Murray was able to get in the end zone. Good for him. I'm sure he was happy to beat us uh, for, for a little bit. And the Minnesota Vikings still have issues, obviously, with tackling and such. It's a pain in the butt giving up about five yards of carry to Latavius Murray. But again, what do you expect? The Vikings did utilize the running game a bit today, and Delvin Cook played solid all day, hung under the football, had the brace on. Apparently, you couldn't see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could on his arm. I was coming down, yep, from the shoulder down to the down to the elbow area. Uh, he, hung, he hung in there. Maybe he should just wear that from now on. And a lot of players do wear braces for this or for that. But you saw a little bit of everything today, except for Delvin Cook getting into the end zone. Somehow, despite the dropping a sure touchdown, Justin Jefferson still went up with 147 yards, so his stats are very sexy, particularly late in the game, getting those big catches, a 41-yarder. Did not get in the end zone, but again, that drop irked a lot of us and had me posting on Twitter about, like, dude, just stop with his best receiver in the NFL bullcrap. You know, it's not helping. It's really not. You put a target on your back, you put a target on your chest, you put a target on your head, you put a target everywhere, and everybody wants to come out and, and hate you and this and that when you say stuff like that. It's, it's not worth it. Like the the Marshawn Lattimore's, he's, you know, he's a big talker. He's a big everything. And there's a lot of other guys, like the Honey Badger who now is on the Saints defense. It's safe to say the Saints defense is extremely good, and it's been good ever since Allen was their defensive coordinator. He's done a good job, and that's why he's a head coach today. Uh, almost beat us, but didn't. Kind of, a, again, a typical Viking Saints game. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, both of the Smiths had returns. Darius was able to get a sack today. Pretty cool. Um, there weren't a whole lot of sacks to, to go around today, but there were some. Um, the Vikings' offensive line was not as good as it had been before. Delvin Tomlinson had a sack today. Very cool. Harrison Phillips had a fumble recovery as well as uh, Mr. Uh, Red Rifle was going down. Of course, that's Andy Dalton. Um, Patrick Peterson, I thought, had a wonderful game today for the most part. He got beat a little bit, but he's not perfect. Multiple pass deflections, was getting up there, making some big plays. Cam Danster, actually, believe it or not, had three passes deflected, despite not having the best game ever, and he was banged up as well in the game. But nobody was hurt more. <laughs> the Saints were probably hurt with the loss, disappointed Will Lutz after making a 60-yarder, couldn't, couldn't quite connect on the 61-yarder. But nobody was hurt more than Lewis Steen today. Finally getting out there, finally ready to play. Time will tell, time will tell. You know, he had that post on Twitter with an angry look on his face and in full garb, you know, the helmet and everything, you know, uniform, all that. Looking pissed off on Twitter. People were like, okay. Next thing you know, there he is, playing meaningful snaps in an NFL game in London, of all places. And 
just a few plays into the game, obviously late in the first quarter, he's going up for a ball, you know, and you're floating on air, basically, right? You're going after the ball, jumping after it, and you're at the mercy of how you come down in that situation because you just never the frick know. Next thing you know, his foot is caught, his cleat, his foot is caught in the turf, and yeah, his body keeps moving. His upper leg moves. His upper leg does not move. His lower leg does move. And next thing you know, it's flopping around like a fish. And apparently it's a fractured leg, a badly fractured leg for Louis Dean. <sighs> very, very sad. And I posted that on Twitter. And of course, I'm not saying anything to make fun of it, but that's what an injury looks like, that kind of injury. It's flopping around. There's nothing to hold it together. At first, I thought he might have had a like an explosion in his knee, like a, you know, ACL, MCL, everything. You know, one of those, you know, like a, God forbid, one of those, maybe not quite Teddy Bridgewater-like, where his leg looked like a U, apparently, from what it was described by bystanders at the time. His leg looked like a, looked like a U. Just put two and two together on that one. That's, oh, like there's nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. But when it's a bone, of course, yes, that's the structure of your, yeah, it's your skeletal structure. And when it fractures all the way through, something like that happens. Um, that happened to me on Halloween in 1992 with my, my arm, my right arm. Um, yeah, well, you know how you have two bones in your, your right arm, you know, your arm, you know, below the wrist a bit. Not the, so it's not a wrist injury, it's an arm injury. They both cracked, or they both completely broke. Luckily, no compound fracture, but... Holy crap, it was a scary-looking thing. Yeah, let's just leave it where it is. It was similar that way, though, where there's nothing holding this part together with that part. Uh, So it was, yeah, it's an extremely painful situation that takes a long, long, long time to heal. Of course, um, the bone heals, but you don't really get your strength back for a long time. That's the sucky part. The bone can heal quickly in some cases, depending on where the blood flow is. Certain bones are in areas where it could take up to six months to heal, like the like some some parts of your wrist and such. There's just not enough blood flow in that area, where like the main parts of your leg and arm. Usually the bone heals in six to you know maybe six to ten weeks or something. But obviously the strength doesn't come back forever, so it is what it is. Louis Dean wishing him the best as he will have surgery to get that together. May have been a compound fracture. Luckily we weren't able to see that part happen, but. Clearly, it was a very serious uh, break in his lower leg. Lewis seeing, finally seeing action into week three, and then he has an injury like that. So, <clears throat> we shall see. Wishing him the best. It's one of those injuries that just breaks your heart. We also got to see a fake punt today. Ultimately, that's where you see uh, Jalen Naylor making his first NFL catch as he was targeted by a guy by the name of Ryan Wright. Ryan Wright played high school quarterback in... in uh, California. He was a high school quarterback in California. Yeah, Ryan Wright. You know, you know Ryan Wright, the quarterback. No, no, he's not a backup quarterback. He's the punter. Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I love the way this thing played out with <laughs> Kevin O'Connell looking like, oh, disgusted. It's fourth and two. Yeah, this sucks. I, I, I guess we got to punt, man. I, I hate doing this. I hate that I have to punt. Gosh, this sucks. Jeez, we're punting. This sucks. I hate punting so much. And so, obviously, he was putting... It was funny how he was kind of like, <laughs> yep, we're punting, yep, we have to. We don't have a choice, guys. And it was all kind of, like, put together that way. I I, I like that. <laughs> to completely, like, uh, manipulate the situation. To, like, yes, we're punting. Next thing you know, it's a fake punt. 
where uh, Ryan Wright was able to find Jalen Naylor for a 13-yard gain. The Vikings continued. Unfortunately, the Vikings wound up with a field goal in that one, so extremely frustrating as the stall drive big time in that one. Um, but uh, if you had Greg Joseph on your fantasy team, you had 16 points today. He made five field goals because the Vikings offense sputtered so many freaking times today. Again, the dropped touchdown by uh, Mr. Justin Jefferson. Again, 147 yards. But imagine if he had that, you know. Oh, that's freaking frustrating. That's maybe 160 with a touchdown. Um, Greg Joseph, here's your urban legend of the day. Your urban legend of the day makes all five kicks. Let's put them all together really, really fast here. 28 yard, okay, whatever. 20, uh, 36 yard, 24 yard, 46 yard. And he's made a couple in the 50s, and he made the 47 yard, which ended up being the winner with 29 seconds left because thankfully the uh, that Will Lutz was unable to connect on a 61-yarder as the Saints weren't able to get enough yards. There just wasn't enough time on the clock to get a little bit closer. 61-yarder, after making a 60-yarder, you can't really complain a whole lot, obviously, and the Saints certainly weren't. It's just like, damn, I almost had it. But um, Will Lutz, obviously, is a phenomenal kicker. Woohoo, we're happy for him. Um, but Greg Joseph, again, who made a couple of 54-yarders and sometimes misses those, but still a hell of a kicker. And he misses an extra point. It's just really, man, <laughs> that was really disappointing. Was the Vikings were able to score a touchdown uh, with Justin Jefferson, a reverse type of play, where he was able to rush into the end zone 25-22 to instead of 26-22. That's where Will Lutz was able to tie the game with the kick and potentially force OT, potentially save the Vikings offense sputtered, this and that, or kind of lead to OT one way or another, where you tie it up, Vikings take the lead, and then they tie it up again. Obviously, if Will Lutz misses that kick, it's over. Um, and if the Saints trail by four, it's, yeah, you're guaranteed to not go to overtime one way or another in that situation. So there's <laughs> there's no going for two after a field yeah, goal. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, it's, yeah, that's basically the case there. <laughs> but again, long story longer, urban legend of the week is how you can make kicks from the moon and then you wind up just missing an extra point and it's like, ugh, it's so weird. It's like guys missing free throws after they shoot like a million threes and they make a hundred three-pointers. They're the best shooter ever. They get to the free throw line, miss. It's like, come on, man. But that's just that's just kind of part of sports. Something that should be easy occasionally, you just, whatever. There's just that little hiccup that comes up and that's just the name of the game, folks. That's the name of the game. It's an urban legend. But it's still the name of the game, ain't it? That's why it's still there. That's why the extra point still exists. Uh, again, I'm recording this earlier than normal because, of course, the game was much, much earlier than normal. It is only 12.43 as I look at the clock as I'm recording the first segment. And the Baltimore Ravens and Buffalo Bills are flashing on the screen. Again, with my new setup here. It's I have optional setup now. I have the classic one where I'm looking outside or the one where I can look at the TV. It's nice to have the optional setup. Um, Rashad Bateman, there he is, number seven, former Gopher. Baltimore's up 14-3. to three. Buffalo might be on the verge of 500, but nice matchup. Bears, I, there's either the Bears and the Giants or this one. I tend to go to the AFC because it's usually a better matchup, but not always. A lot of times these, these a lot of times the NFC matchup isn't as pretty, but oh well, sometimes it is way better, like if it's Bucks and Packers or something, instead of, uh, you know, Jets and Jags. Woo! Jets and Jags! <laughs> Jacksonville's up 14 nothing versus Philadelphia right now. What? And this is in Philadelphia. 
Take notes, Minnesota Viking players and fans and everybody else. Jacksonville, the Jaguars are up 14-0 in Philadelphia. Hello? 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 Anybody there? Hello? I mean, do you guys ever show up and get in Philadelphia unless they suck horribly? That's the only time the Vikings play well in Philadelphia is if they suck. The Philadelphia Eagles suck anyway. Uh, Philadelphia's good this year. Jacksonville's saying, screw you. We're, we're going to beat you anyway. Hello, Jacksonville. Hello, Jacksonville. I got to talk about Miami real quick. I should probably save this for the second segment. But I got a sneaky feeling I'm going to forget. So I'm going to get to it. No, no, no I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Yeah, I'll save it because that's the NFL roundup. Yeah. It's just, again, take notes. And if in the second segment somehow Philadelphia comes back to win, okay, so be it. But, wow, that'd be interesting. Hmm. Again, take notes by the Minnesota Vikings. Show up in Philadelphia like Jacksonville did. Be like the Jaguars. Did you ever think you'd say those words the last couple of years, the last five to ten years here, outside of that 2017 season where Jacksonville almost made it to the Super Bowl versus us? Instead, it was Philadelphia and New England. It was a total opposite. Yeah. Well, with Hurricane Ian, of course, no Kansas City and Tampa playing in U.S. Bank Stadium. It was available. Vikings were in uh, England, so it was available. But, well, Hurricane Ian got out of the way, and apparently uh, leadership in Florida did a pretty good job. So, good good to hear. Very good to hear. Let's uh, get back to where we need to be. Apologize here. Kirk Cousins was not that accurate today once again. And today was probably the weaker day of the year so far for the offensive line. Of course, you could argue Philadelphia wasn't real good either. Generally speaking, the offensive line for Minnesota has been a godsend this year. You have two of the best tackles in the NFL right now. Christian Derisaw, of course, just in his second year. And the captain of the offensive line, who's now, believe it or not, a veteran already in Brian O'Neill. Uh, Ingram is, well, he's struggled the most because he's a freaking rookie. You know, Corey Stringer struggled, and he ended up being one of the best left tackles in football before terrible things happened to him. Um, really terrible things. Uh, Ezra Cleveland is, you know, he's he's a regular. He's a solid member of the offensive line. And Garrett Bradbury has become a solid member of the offensive line as well. Uh, one of the best run blockers in the NFL so far this year, and his pass blocking is decent, like at least middle, middle of the pack. So pretty shocking to hear that Garrett Bradbury as an overall center is ranked 6th overall at least coming into this game anyway according to Pro Football Focus was ranked 6th in the NFL if I'm saying it correctly that's absolutely nuts so <laughs> that's pretty crazy you didn't think you'd hear that did you? I sure didn't sure didn't sure didn't um, so that's obviously but again today to, after today things will probably drop a little bit but hopefully as the season progresses uh, offensive line continues yeah, trending in the right direction as they have been. K.J. Osborne, well, they did a little reverse play, wound up getting minus. That sucks. And K.J. Osborne only one catch. So K.J. Clutch back to being kind of out of there. Though he would have had a touchdown early if not for Justin Jefferson, you know, with a, an illegal block, basically. Offensive pass interference is basically what it was. Kind of getting in the way and denying the defender to, you know, move, basically, towards... Uh, K.J. Osborne, so that's a shame. Osborne would have had a touchdown, and after that, all he got was a six-yard catch, so that kind of sucks. Jalen Rager, zero again with a with a single target. Munt dropped a uh, dropped a, a, a gimme. C.J. Ham for some strange reason, we went deep to him on, was it first down on a play? 
he went deep to CJ Ham. He's he's not the kind of guy you're going to get a whole lot of separation with. So that was kind of forced, I felt. Luckily, it was out of the reach of any defender. But where only CJ Ham could have caught it. But again, it's just, you know, he's not a tall guy. He's, he's a fullback. He's not going to get a whole lot of separation. Fullbacks are usually shorter, stocky players. So, I don't know. I mean, you're pretty much looking at short plays where maybe they can power through or something. We were talking about a pass to your fullback, so that was kind of weird. Um, the offense is a little bit goofy sometimes. It's not, you know, all that exciting. Alexander Madison had a 15-yard reception for a touchdown early on. That was, again, after... <clears throat> Um, right, it was the play right after KJ Osborne was unable to get in the uh, was un- was unable to keep his touchdown that he had made. He was wide open, but of course, you know something led to that happening. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a freaking bummer. But an entertaining football game, yes, a pretty football game. Hell to the no. Uh, Kirk Cousins again, inaccurate, overthrowing players again. Offensive line not that great. Delvin Cook solid, didn't fumble, and stayed healthy. And you know what, Delvin? Good job, man. Good job. Good job. And I, I, I gave him a little bit of a hard time last week, despite the fact he was having an awesome game until that happened. So, and it is kind of cool, Cook and Latavius Murray, you know, going at it. That's kind of, well, not really going at it, but, you know, from sideline to sideline anyway. Because, yeah, <laughs> offensive players and uh, do not play against each other. Unless there's some weird, like, uh, a phenomenon type of situation where a guy plays offense and defense in the same game, which doesn't happen often. Maybe in high school and very rarely in college. <laughs> oh, and the Gophers lost to Purdue this weekend after we were all excited about the Rose Bowl that we're going to. And, you know, all you know, as long as we can get to that Big Ten championship game and this and that, and then, you know, you lose to Purdue at home and it's just, I don't know. Drew Brees isn't the quarterback, that kind of thing. Purdue's not that great. Uh, ah, Welcome to Minnesota sports, folks. Every time you feel good about something, you get your hopes up. You know, I I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I want things to change. Obviously, you had the 87 and 91 Twins, and you had your four championships with the Lynx, but I'm not really into the WNBA. I'm just not. It's just a personal choice, you know? (laughs) Sorry. Um... So, I mean, I, I don't want to talk negative about Minnesota sports all the time, but so far, the last 31 years, it's been pretty frustrating. And, of course, 31 years before that as well with most teams, except the 87 Twins and stuff, um, who shocked the world. Fun, fun again. I mean, fun to get the victory. Nice the Vikings. Nice to see that the Vikings were able to survive this. Uh, again, just coming out with the win is what matters the most. It does. It matters the most. Games like this, in the Zimmer era, the Vikings probably would have lost, especially the latter half of the Zimmer era. Maybe in 2015, 2014, the Vikings might have won. 14 is like a maybe, because they're only 7-9. and nine. 2016, well, if it was the beginning of the season, the Vikings would have won probably comfortably the first like portion of the season. But after that, uh, after Mike Zimmer called that offensive line soft, it seemed like right after that, a game like this would have been uh, would have probably came out on the wrong end for Minnesota, most likely. Seventeen, a lot of stuff went right, but not everything. He saw Delvin Cook go down with an injury suddenly as a rookie, just like Lewisine today, and Mike Hughes. So we'll see. Um, is Lewisine going to be going to go on to have a wonderful career like Delvin Cook? Maybe not as as successful as Delvin Cook, but still wonderful and above average at the very least. Or is he a yet another Mike Hughes, where he also had an injury very early? 
<laughs> and it was like in the same spot of the field in U.S. Bank Stadium. It was really weird, like creepy, just a year later. Um, him being Mike Hughes. Hopefully Lewis Dean doesn't have that kind of situation. That now he does still end up having a successful career, like a Chad Greenway, ACL on his very first very first play ever in the NFL. It was a preseason game, special teams, kickoff situation. Chad Greenway is an ACL. Uh, he was never a great player, but he was good. And maybe that's Lewis Dean. He'll still be at least a good player, recovered from this, and wishing him the best, full and speedy recovery for Lewis Dean at the end of the day. The Fran Tarkington Award winner for this particular episode, it's, it can't go to Justin Jefferson, can it? I mean, beautiful numbers, but again, all this talk about you're the best receiver in the NFL and stuff, I don't want to hear that anymore. Luckily, that was just once anyway, but it's, that kind of stuff sticks, and these cornerbacks are going to give you hell every time you do anything wrong. So it's just not worth it. Great numbers. He was clutch when it mattered, and thank you, and all that. It's kind of hard to pick a winner. Cook wasn't exactly great, but he was good. I don't think he's a uh, Fran Tarkington Award winner. Could it be Ryan Wright for completing that pass, but then again, it only led it a field goal. Still, the Vikings end up winning the game. Kirk Cousins was a mess at times, and he threw a terrible interception down the stretch, which definitely helped the Saints get back in this one. The momentum changed immediately after that, which was really annoying. God, it was. Patrick Peterson, it might be him. I thought he had one of the better games of the season for Patrick Peterson. Cam Dancer, again, three pass deflections. Really liked what he was able to do. Uh, Harrison Smith had a wrist injury during the Saints' final drive, which almost... (laughs) <laughs> which which if he didn't have the wrist injury, the clock wouldn't have been able to stop and maybe the Saints would have had to panic and through the, I don't know, and just things wouldn't have worked out. They would have never gotten a chance to attempt a 61-yarder. Um, so that's a bummer. Obviously, I'm not mad at Harrison Smith for hurting his wrist on a play. Uh, Cam Bynum was adequate at times, but not great. Sometimes guys have a lot of tackles and they're on defense because they're getting thrown to all the time. That's not always a good thing. I mean, the quarterback's testing you. I think I want to give it to Patrick Peterson today. It's not an easy choice. This isn't a clear cut like, oh yeah, it, it would have been Greg Joseph. It would have been Greg Joseph had he made that extra point, but that gave the Saints a chance to tie the game. And it's really annoying. I think really annoying that that happened. And the Saints did tie the game with that 60-yarder. So, damn it, anyway. <laughs> the... Christian Ponder Memorial is not the easiest thing to do here. If Justin Jefferson had turned in another stinker, like 23 yards and this and that, it would probably go to him because of the drop passes and all that. But I can't give a guy that had 147 yards a Christian Ponder Memorial. I don't know. It's just a shame OKJ Osborne hasn't been getting separation as much, but occasionally he'll show up. And of course, it's also on the the quarterback to get him the ball as well. Ponder, and then it's like I feel bad ripping on Cousins after having yet another game-winning drive late in the game as well, making the completions that he needed to to Justin Jefferson and such. It's so tough. It's not a clear-cut, you know, smoking gun. Like they say, death by a thousand cuts. This was that kind of game. There's no smoking gun MVP and, and, you know, bad version of GOAT, you know, like he was the GOAT of the game, yuck, not greatest of all time, but the GOAT, like disappointing um, there, it's really hard to say, other than Irv, Irv Smith Jr. dropping passes last week he probably should have gotten it 
So I, it's like I kind of almost like brain farted on that one. Johnny Munt, well, I mean, I can't expect a whole lot. It's tough. Uh, it's not like the defense was pitiful out there. And I feel bad giving it to certain cornerbacks when they probably weren't as bad as I might have been, <laughs> been seeing on certain plays. Eric Kendricks also may have had a concussion in the game. That's really sucky. So I might just simply give it to the to injuries and overall weak tackling at times. It drove me crazy. The injuries, like Lewis Seen's injury, potentially uh, Eric Kendricks' concussion. He was in the protocol situation. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins situation, which back-to-back weeks end up may have leading to something insanely bad here for uh, Tua. So extremely scary uh, situation. It'll be nice to see Teddy a quarterback, but that is not what we're looking for necessarily for a positive for what happened with Miami. Um, but then again, I guess good for Teddy to, that he gets to play, but I'm sure he doesn't feel good about it either when you think about what happened. With that, we'll take a break, come back, and look around the NFL after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the league and, of course, preview the Minnesota Vikings versus Chicago Bears coming up next week and look at the history and all that. Another nooner, then we get another nooner after that on October the 16th, another Sunday. Nooner, then bye week. And the next thing you know, we get to play the Arizona Cardinals at the end of October, the day before Halloween, Halloween Eve, another nooner. So lots of nooners coming up, which I like. Look at that. Nooner, nooner, nooner. Yep, we're going all the way up into mid-November. And then Sunday the 20th, it's a late one. Well, later, 325, the second group. And then, yeah, and then Thanksgiving versus the Patriots. Yeah, versus the Patriots, yeah. Okay, anyhow, sorry. (laughs) Well, it's not Tom Brady's Patriots anymore, so maybe it won't be so bad. Let's get to where I need to be. I was going to talk about the Dolphins. If I could go back to that, it would be really helpful. Yeah, the whole Dolphins situation, the Cincinnati Bengals get to 2-2 two and two after starting out the season 0-2. Uh, so they're kind of back on track. Obviously love the Dolphins all-teal uniforms in this game. This was in Cincinnati. Cincinnati elected to wear all their, their, their home jerseys or their white jerseys, pardon me, and white helmets and all that. Miami loses their first game of the year. And, of course, the week before, Tua had what appeared to be a concussion. He started stumbling forward, went into the tent, and then, oh, just go back out and play. Everything will be fine. It's like, okay. So a lot of eyebrows were raised with the NFLPA. They're like, okay, we need to investigate this, like how you went through and judging how this wasn't a concussion and all that. Next thing you know, Tua's back out there versus Cincinnati, and the whiplash happens. There's like a wraparound sack or tackle, whatever, and bam, Tua's head whiplashed into the ground. And, of course, the whiplash created a uh, secondary whiplash, the impact and all that. And if that's not a concussion, I don't know what is. And the next thing you know, uh, you see uh, the rigor mortis hands because of uh, what they call brain trauma and all that, which is what a concussion is. And that was extremely creepy and extremely scary. And, again, just four days after what appeared to be a concussion and then Tua going back out there in the same game. So a very, very uh, questionable situation here. 
And it's a crying shame considering how good the Miami Dolphins were to start out the season and all that. Uh, again, like I said in the first segment, happy that Teddy Bridgewater gets to play and all that. He went through a catastrophic situation and all that. But, oh, man, catastrophic injury again where it was like a U-shaped leg, basically. That's how, that's how like, there was literally nothing holding uh, things together in his knee. It was unbelievable. Um, so now you get Tua with a, you know, God knows what the situation is there, and it's extremely sad. Uh, hoping for the best and all that. He says he's going to be okay, basically, uh, and all that, released from the hospital. But my goodness, um, a lot of people hoping he's going to be okay. He'll be able to actually play football again. So that's the first question. Will he be able to play football again? And, of course, like Lewis seeing with a broken leg today, that was really, really unfortunate and sad to see as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's like it's part of the game and all that, but... Mm, it still sucks. It still sucks. It's not something you want to, you know, you, it's not something you want to see. And, you know, I'm not somebody who likes to go on and on and on and on about concussions. I'm not a soapbox guy like a lot of former players might be and all that, and uh, fans that want to go on and on and on about it. But at the same time, that did seem really like, my goodness, like the definition of neglect. It It really did. Again, like, I don't like to make two-hour episodes about concussions. Do you really want to listen to me talk about that that long? It, it gets depressing. It, it really does. Uh, but at the same time, this, again, is at another level of flat-out neglect. So this is going to be extremely interesting to see. Pardon me. Let's see how this turns out. I can't believe I left that on. But, well, I'm in a train of thought. I'm not going to just cut that out. <laughs> so, um, again... It's just a crying shame that something like this could happen and would be allowed to happen. So just really hoping for the best with uh, Tua. Uh, Cincinnati again went on to win the football game, of course, 27-15, to and it's hard to even talk about it because of what happened. Uh, Evan McPherson with another 57-yard kick. That guy is really something. It's hard to believe he actually misses once in a while. Teddy Bridgewater did throw a touchdown pass to Chase Edmonds, so a little bit of something. Teddy got the team back in the game for a little bit. But afterwards, Miami pretty much, or excuse me, Cincinnati pretty much pulled away. Tua hadn't been playing very well going into this one either, and I can imagine why. I mean, and Cincinnati's defense is good. I mean, they're part of the reason why they went to the Super Bowl, along with the fact they have a nice young quarterback in Joe Burrow who can get it done. But obviously Miami has an incredible amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Tyreek Hill with 160 yards and all that. A 64-yard long, never got in the end zone. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he's going to hopefully be decent. Unfortunately, he had an interception in the game. So kind of like a mediocre so-so game, quarterback rating of 84.2, one touchdown, one interception. But two, again, didn't look sharp, and I can't imagine he would be. Again, good Cincinnati defense and all that, but at the same time, I can't imagine Tua would be sharp. That was a real big risk, and that's the definition of gambling and failing. That's what that was. It's taking a chance and failing. And my goodness, I mean, it's also kind of like saying, oh, well, you know, obviously we love Tua and he's had an awesome start to the season. But it's not freaking worth it. It's not freaking worth endangering the guy, the guy's career, his life, this and that. And I, um, and you still have Teddy Bridgewater, who's a decent backup quarterback, a guy I've, I've liked forever. You know, I wouldn't mind him as a starter, a spot starter, obviously, especially if he costs less and didn't eat up the whole salary cap like a certain guy. But... <laughs> and certain other guys, I'm sure, but um, yeah, it's 
Teddy Bridgewater is a capable quarterback. It's, you're not going to die if Tua is out a couple weeks to recover, you know, to make sure everything's okay. It's just, and now God only knows what's going to happen. That was bad. <laughs> we move on to Atlanta as we try to segue into the next game somehow, some way. Atlanta 23, Cleveland 20. Come on, Cleveland. And yet they're still in first place somehow. I don't get it. So now this is Sunday, of course. How are they in first place? Because I guess the AFC North sucks and Baltimore got beat. As that was the game I was talking about in the first segment, they ended up getting beat today. And along with a certain other team that I was talking highly about, and it didn't end well at all. You'll figure out what I'm talking about very shortly if you haven't already guessed. I'm just going to keep you guessing, and you're probably going to be right. Jacoby Brissett, mediocre. Mediocre. He's like a, a weaker version of Teddy Bridgewater. Sometimes, sometimes he's a stronger version. Nick Chubb was excellent. Six yards a carry, very solid. Kareem Hines, they have a nice running game there in Cleveland. A quarterback, they haven't had a good quarterback situation in Cleveland ever, basically, since this new franchise existed. Uh, I thought Tim Couch was going to be freaking awesome, and he didn't come close. And really, ever since then, nobody has. Uh, they had the number one pick in the league, uh, the draft and all that, and ended up being, you know, that guy. It ended up being the guy that's quarterbacking Carolina right now, and he's not that good. Marcus Mariota, once upon a time, was thought of very highly, and I don't know, he's just adequate at best. Terrible quarterback game between Marcus Mariota and Jacoby Brissett. Brissett was actually a little better. That's the sad part. Yet Atlanta wins the football game. Makes Cleveland look like crap. And I feel sorry for Vinrock Vince Germano if he happens to be listening. This just was not a good day at all. Cordell Patterson couldn't really get anything going, though he did get in the end zone. Tyler Elgar was actually pretty good. But, you know, wasn't spectacular, but was good. Had a nice 42-yard run. So that obviously beefed up his average. Only one sack from Cleveland, and it was from Jordan Elliott. And one sack only from Atlanta, Grady Jarrett. Let's just move on. Not a good football game, honestly. Atlanta actually gets their second win in a row. So congratulations, and their second win of the season. An old, bitter rivalry as that NFC East is always... It's just it's filled with old, bitter rivals, honestly. Like the Giants, you know, and the Cowboys. The Redskins and the Cowboys. It always involves the Cowboys, doesn't it? Eagles and the Cowboys, the Eagles and the Redskins, the Giants, the Eagles, da, 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 da. they're all bitter rivals. It's actually an awesome division because of that. All the teams have been, you know, they've had great seasons over many years, except for Washington lately. But Washington has three Super Bowls to their name, so let's not forget that. During the Joe Gibbs era, Joe Gibbs. Yeah, guys like that. Joe Gibbs. And, of course, the Cowboys have five Super Bowls to their name. The Eagles have uh, one, but they still have a rich history. They're kind of like the, the Vikings of the NFC East. Like, rich history, but, well, at least they've got a championship now. Bastards. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and the Giants have, what, four. So, it's a pretty rich division. Pretty rich. Rich, rich. 25-10, to 10, Dallas wins fairly easily over against the Washington Commandas. And I keep using Jean-Luc Picard's accent because it sounds cool with Commanda. 7-6. Uh, to six. Washington led at one point in the game. And after that, it was pretty much all Dallas Cowboy time. Uh, other than a guy named Joey Sly. That's a sly name. He's a sly guy. It's a sly version of me, anyway. Joey Sly. Pretty sly and pretty fly. With a 45-yard kick. And that was all the Cowboys, or excuse me, the Washington... The Washington Privates would do the rest of the way. The Washington Cadets. That's going to be their nickname now. Because you're going to always have some kind of goofy nickname, like the Chefs or the Chumps or something for the Chiefs. Or the, I don't even know, just the cowgirls. I don't know. And we're not trying to insult women. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
it's just, you know, sometimes it's how it is. It's just not good. Um, 20 to 10. And, of course, Dak Prescott is not playing. He's been hurt really badly. It's kind of like a certain uh, safety of the Vikings. So, and Carson Wentz is, I don't know. I just don't know. I think it's, I don't know, he's already on his third team. And he stinks again. And the team's kind of meh. And Cooper Rush is starting to look like one of the best backup quarterbacks I've ever seen. He might be Nick Foles 2.0. He might be a really good backup quarterback. I mean, why the hell not? A couple touchdowns, a quarterback rating almost 108. And then Zeke Elliott, who was probably one of the most overrated running backs in the NFL history. Everybody thought he was like this legend. And I don't know, he has a couple of good games once in a while. Other than that, the Cowboys won against a crappy Washington team. And Carson Wentz looks like an inferior quarterback to Curtin, uh, Cooper Rush, need I say more. Tennessee and Indianapolis. That's pretty much all I think about Tennessee and the Indianapolis Colts these days, even though you think of a lot of talent. Like Tennessee is a team that I would have thought could win a Super Bowl. I mean, didn't I pick them to win last year? Well, they won this game, and Indianapolis continues to be meh. Matt Ryan actually was extremely efficient, 356 yards. Too bad he threw the interception. That certainly didn't help. Both quarterbacks were actually extremely efficient, especially Tannehill. Even though he didn't get a whole lot of yards, he completed the passes he needed to and did not turn the ball over. That's the big difference. And Derrick Henry was really good, so maybe I shouldn't rip on this too much and uh, make snoozing sounds. Somebody named Mo Ali Cox with a couple of touchdown catches from Matt Ryan. He had a perfect game. Uh, Mo Ali Cox caught everything thrown his way. Good for him. And Derrick Henry, again, averaged about five yards a carry. That's Tech Mobile football, as I continue to call it, where you just keep handing the ball off and handing the ball off and handing the ball off and eventually get in the end zone because they're not stopping you. A touchdown. Again, 214 yards. Not a whole lot in the air from Tennessee, but again, Tannehill, unbelievably accurate and sharp in the game. So 81%. 81% despite only throwing for, you know, 137 yards. Matt Ryan, 356. Sometimes the big, big, big stats aren't, aren't what you need. You just need to complete the ball when needed. Uh, already passed on Detroit. Detroit versus Seattle. Chicago versus New York Giants. That'll be the very last one. Jacksonville. 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 14 nothing in the first quarter, and I'm bragging about how great Jacksonville is. And the Vikings need to take note from how the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, and how to play Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Never mind. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Hard, hard pass. Swipe left, whatever we want to say in the younger generation. Swipe left, hard pass. That's okay. That's okay, Jacksonville. Uh, thanks. I'm canceling the lecture on how to play Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Even though they did a pretty good job uh, on Jalen Hurts. Still, what the fudge knocking is this? Talk about technical football. Miles Sanders, five yards a carry, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts was able to get in the end zone, even though he, he ran the ball 16 times. What the heck? He completed 16 passes and ran the ball 16 times. That's a little bit excessive, don't you think? Trevor Lawrence threw an interception, which he has been much better about this year. I think he does have a massively great future in the NFL that he's not going to be a blue chip bust. And I hope he isn't. I hope he's great. I'd love to see Jacksonville do well. And you just hate to see all these wonderful blue chip quarterbacks who did so well in college come to the NFL and do nothing. Do nothing like Tim Couch. And I keep bringing up Tim Couch because I was so freaking disappointed. People were saying he's the closest thing to being the next Tarkenton-type quarterback. And he was closer to Ryan Leaf. That's basically all he was. He was Ryan Leaf. He was Derek Carr. He was whatever. 
None of those guys. Not Derek. David Carr, who didn't do squat. So damn annoying. Uh, A.J. Brown, nice, solid game. 95 yards. Rather have him than a certain tight end on Minnesota. Christian Kirk with a couple of with 60, 60 yards on only two catches for Jacksonville. But, well, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles put the Hurts on Jacksonville after that with a 20-point second quarter. 14-point first quarter for Jacksonville. 20 to nothing. Philadelphia in the second quarter. What the heck? 0-0 in the third. That's Philadelphia again, where they just stopped scoring. But then they said, no, no, we're not done. We're not done, Jacksonville. Just, you know, don't don't get too high on yourself, Jacksonville, now. We ain't done here. They scored another couple touchdowns in that fourth. And then Jacksonville finally was able to get something. Trevor Lawrence passed to Jamal Agnew for his touchdown, and Ryan Lee Patterson, blah, blah, blah. So they were within a touchdown and an extra, well, you know, the two-point conversion type of dilly. But ultimately, Jacksonville wasn't able to get anything going after that. Despite there being enough time in the game to get her done, the uh, Jaguars couldn't make the stops they needed to, and that was it. Marcus Epps with a pass deflection for Minnesota Viking watch there. <laughs> Marcus Epps. Wouldn't mind having him, but, well, I, I doubt he's like a superstar or anything. We'll keep going now. Oh, gosh. Come on, man. Thanks for getting my hopes up, Jacksonville. Philadelphia's got to win the NFC. Philadelphia's going to win the NFC, aren't they? I, they've got to be the favorite, right? New York Jets won their second game of the year. The New York Jets are 500. 500, four games into the season. I can just imagine. It's been the, it's the first time in eight years that the New York Jets are 500, four games into the season. Boy, man. They're, they're not, they, they, they should talk playoffs over there in, in the New York Jets, whatever the heck it is. You know what the New York Jets are, are good at? Their helmets and their, and their uniforms. They're awesome. They are awesome, and I'm not kidding. Especially there. I think I like their helmets even more than anything else. Awesome. Everything else, I don't know. They're not good, and it sucks. I wish they were better because, well, I love the uniforms and the helmets. The New York Jets have probably, they're probably top five in the NFL for that, and I'm not kidding. Um, they won the game, and, of course, uh, Trubisky officially was benched for Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, the rookie, obviously draft pick this past season because, well, it's, it's, pick a dang quarterback already. Mr. Trubisky ain't your future, and Ben Roethlisberger obviously was finally done after the 14th fourteenth uh, version of saying I retire because he retired when he was 30, didn't he? Or was it, was thinking about it. He was contemplating retirement, and then he kept coming back. And then, you know, and like, never mind, I'm, I'm good to go. I hate my life, but I'm going to play. Okay, I'm not going to joke about that. Um, man, we're the number, we'd be the number two seed right now? Yeah, I think we would, because we're a division leader. Cowboys are a wild card in that Philadelphia division, and the Vikings have the tiebreaker versus Green Bay, so don't look now. The Vikings are the number two seed in the NFC. That's funny. That's funny. I, I like it to last. I hope it does. Miami would have home field advantage still because they beat Buffalo. Miami would have home field advantage throughout the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback for the foreseeable future. We'll see how that works out. Go Teddy. Go Teddy. I'm rooting for him. I am. Buffalo, another team that was down pretty pretty big early in this game, 14-3, to and it just kept kind of building. And this one, it got to 20-3. to 20-3. Buffalo, man, come on, guys. What's going on? You guys were so good, and now you suck. Now you suck. I, you lost to Miami last week. Gosh, did they, did they, did something, did something just happen there where Buffalo has been figured out and they're not that good? No, hold the phone. Hold the phone, as they say in New York City. Especially the old school people. Buffalo's coming back, and they certainly did. 
They scored 20 points unanswered the rest of the way and defeated Le Baltimore Revant. No, <laughs> they sure did. Mar Jackson, multiple interceptions in the game. Josh Allen, not sharp again. Another crappy game that sense, but his athleticism came out and helped win the day. He rushed the ball 11 times and got in the end zone and all that cute stuff. Even though Devin Singletary was pretty solid in the game, but he did fumble early on. That was part of the frustration in the game. The only touchdown throw was to Isaiah McKenzie, whoever that is, right? No, he's he's a decent player, but he's not he's not Stephon Diggs, okay? Stephon Diggs did lead the club in receiving yards and all that cute stuff, but wasn't that sexy. Only 62 yards. But you average 62 yards a game, you could get 1,000... Yards for the season in a 16-game season in the past. So that was always cool. Cool math. Lamar Jackson ran the ball quite a bit. He did not fumble the ball or anything crazy, but he did throw multiple interceptions, and that helped be the difference. Only Odef Oe was able to get a sack on Josh Allen, whereas Jordan Poyer got to Lamar Jackson twice, and he had three pass deflections. All right, that's the Bruce Smith Award for the uh, <laughs> for the Buffalo Bills later on in that game. Did a hell of a job. Nice comeback, and Buffalo is back in the his house pretty quickly here. Just losing to Miami, though. Lost that home field advantage, at least for now. We'll see how that changes as the season progresses. Los Angeles Chargers at Houston, and the Los Angeles Chargers at least are back at 500 now after having a couple of icky games in a row. Houston is still winless. 0-3-1 on the season. Good for last place in the AFC South. Davis Mills, well, he threw for a couple of touchdowns, but he turned the ball over twice. Justin Herbert, much, much more sharp. And a Justin Herbert type of game during the course of last season is he was just so good all year. 300-plus yards, a couple touchdowns, you know, quarterback rating of 113. Great game for him. Damian Pierce was awesome for the uh, Houston Texans as they ran the ball despite the fact they were behind uh, most of this game. Well, they were ahead for a little bit. No, they weren't. They were behind pretty much the whole way. And, yeah, it just wasn't pretty. But Damian Pierce, he was the only guy who ran the ball in this game. And he ran 14 times. Talk about Tecmo football. No, not really. He did have a 75-yard scamper and all that. Good to make uh, to make his average 9.4 instead of something much lower in the game. 100, uh, 131 total yards for Damian Pierce and 14 rushes. But great game nonetheless. Because guess what? That 75-yard run counts. It counts. It's not made up. It's not a rumor. It's real. <laughs> Jacksonville's defense, Khalil Mack. Now, don't forget, the former Bear now. Former Bear, former Raider. Khalil Mack is back in that old division he was in before. He had a sack. Mack with a sack. Morgan Fox with a sack. Sebastian Joseph Day also. And J uh, Jerry Tillery all with sacks on Davis Mills, and the Chargers beat Houston pretty handily, 34-24, to 24, and they're back to 500. Congratulations to the Chargers. Arizona finally kind of getting going a little bit. They got their second win. Arizona, Carolina, kind of yucky. Kyler Murray would rather play video games than improve. Great number one pick, if you're going to think that way. Baker Mayfield, the Baker Mayfield in Carolina is about as icky as he was in Cleveland. Some people liked him, some people didn't, and I don't know, it's hard to be a fan of his when he just stinks every game. Another first-round pick, first overall pick, that sucks. And Kyler Murray, a little bit better. I don't know, both of them turned the ball over, but Maker, Baker Mayfield was clearly worse in this game. Kyler Murray, a little bit more sharp and all that. 
couple touchdowns and only one interception versus the opposite with Baker as he was not as good and he also lost a fumble in the game as well. I don't know, man. I don't know. Matt Prater, the best kicker in the league, made both of his. Unless it's Greg Joseph, but I'll say it's Matt Prater for now. Maybe it's maybe it's Will Lutz. He might be the best kicker in the league. Uh, Prater didn't have anything too crazy and far today, did he? I'm not sure exactly. Nope, 33 and 39. Well, that's not the scary Matt Prater 60-yard stuff. But Arizona won the game. Let's move on. I don't want to go on about that one. It's not that great. Green Bay played New England. Interesting one there. Jeez. Las Vegas beat the uh, Denver Broncos 32-23 to as they just were consistent throughout the game and they just kept scoring, scoring, scoring. And Denver just wasn't as sharp as the <laughs> as the mediocre Las Vegas Raiders. They finally got something going. Good for them. It had nothing to do with their car hardly. He passed for a few yards but didn't throw for any touchdowns. Only 188 yards passing as well. In a pretty high-scoring game, Josh Jacobs was a fantasy player's dream, and Devontae Adams also with 101 yards in the air. Josh Jacobs, though, 144 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, really looking good. Russell Wilson ran the ball in and threw two touchdowns. Another fantasy dream right there, but Denver unable to get going, unable to get the job done. Jackson, or excuse me, Las Vegas finally getting their first win of the season, and it couldn't have came at a better time, which is now. That's the only time you can have. Tampa Bay finally got into double digits as right now this is Monday or Sunday night football flashing in front of me. Almost halftime, but Kansas City looks to be kind of having their way here, unfortunately. Tampa, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's gonna be one of those we I think it's gonna be one of those years where th- things kind of gradually get more and more meh during the course of the season. But I suppose it started weak the year that Tampa went out and won the Super Bowl against this obnoxious Kansas City team. Um, but Honey Badger and Tyreek Hill are gone, so I guess I don't have to hate them as much. Still not a big fan, though. Love their uniforms, love the color scheme. Just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll like them more, though, again, because two of those guys, that's just, I don't know. They're just too much. One's on the Saints and Honey Badger, and the other's on the Miami Dolphins, and I like the Dolphins, so maybe I'll just chill about that. I like Tyreek Hill now. No, no not really. Rams and Niners tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. That's cool. Go 49ers. Get her done. Um, let's look at the division. Detroit, last week's opponent, scored 45 points in the game at home versus the Seattle Seahawks. They for sure won, right? You score 45 points at home versus a crappy Seattle team. You know, who's their quarterback? Geno Smith? Yeah, they still don't win this game. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And they had to come from behind most of the way, which is really annoying. An epic battle back and forth, and you're going to get that in Detroit. No doubt about it. But, my God, don't let Geno Smith look like Russell Wilson in his prime or Steve Young in his prime or God knows who. Come on, guys. Geno Smith was so accurate in this game. 23 of 30, 320 yards for a couple touchdowns, quarterback rating on the moon. Jared Goff, why'd you have to throw that interception? He had four touchdowns, a great game for Jared Goff. He's starting to look like the Jared Goff of L.A. circa 2018, circa 17-ish, when it was like Rams versus uh, Chiefs. Everybody thought Rams and Chiefs is going to be the Super Bowl, and you know, it could have been. It could have been, actually. That's the funny part. Rams and Chiefs could have happened. A lot of people were probably rooting for that over the years, and Jared Goff versus... You know, Jared Goff versus Patrick Mahomes and that those epic yards, the great plays, you know, up and down the field. 
50, 51 to 49, you know, games like that, 100-point football games. Jared Goff's starting to look good now. He's starting to look like that guy. Maybe he finally got that off his shoulder, all that pressure in Los Angeles. Now he's in Detroit, and things are kind of coming around a little bit, but they're still not winning football games. TJ Hawkinson, who very early looked great and then got quiet the last several several games. Now he looks really good. Now, again, this is during his three-year career here. Uh, in Detroit, Jerry Hawkinson really stepping up in this one with 179 yards and two touchdowns. You know, that's one of those uh, spectacular days for your tight end if you're fortunate to have him on that day. And, uh, boy, T.J. Hawkinson fans, T.J. Hawkinson owners are very excited, along with Jamal Williams. But Detroit still ends up losing the football game. Rashard Penny with 151 yards on the ground and, a touch- and two touchdowns. Geno Smith ran the ball in. He'd be a nice fantasy backup quarterback. You put him in there and he has a nice day like this. You're dancing on the clouds because maybe your other quarterback's on the bye or he's hurt or something or he's been sucking lately like your main quarterback, whoever he is. Maybe you want to pick up Teddy Bridgewater. What the hell? You know, he could at least be something. Um, Some kind of like, (laughs) just something. Something to help you. What was that? What was that? (laughs) Number 25, Edwards. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> this is on the Chiefs, of course. That was a crappy play, man. I mean, that was... I don't know. Okay, it's a little. the angle was harder than it looks. But you still got to catch that, buddy. He was wide open. He was wide open. And it was a catchable pass. It's just the angle, maybe. That's the only excuse I could have for him. That was crappy. That was a stone fingers play. Detroit, though, again. I Gosh, come on, Detroit. And they're a division rival, and I'm rooting for them now. I, I, because I'm, you know, Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, I, I just, I don't know, I want to see them do well. I don't want them to beat us, but I wouldn't mind seeing them do well. And it's like a franchise that doesn't want a playoff game since 91, you know? And that was the only playoff win they've had since, since 1957, when they were the best team in the world. The Detroit Lions were the best team in the world in the 1950s, pre-Super Bowl era, of course. That's the last time they had success, in the 1950s. Two years after James Dean died in a car accident. Think about that. Think about it. Think about it, folks. Two years after Flip Saunders was born. Flip Saunders was a two-year-old baby when Detroit was the best team in the world. Think about that. Flip Saunders, God rest his soul. But yeah, he'd be pushing 70 now. You know? People born in 19... That's 67 years ago. So, okay, let's move on. Sorry, I just just amazed by that. Uh, Green Bay, New England, the Super Bowl, that never happened. You know, you always wanted Brady versus Rodgers. I kept thinking it was going to happen. I was just waiting for that day. Green Bay, you know, Rodgers versus Tom Brady. You know, Green Bay, New England, it's going to happen. This is the year. Here's the Super Bowl. No. You know, Green Bay would get upset all the freaking time. Green Bay would get upset by the Seattle Seahawks or whatever. Or not not upset, but like they the, the Packers would blow it. Seattle would get their miracle comeback. And old what's-his-name, uh, Russell Wilson would cry and weep on the camera saying how God wanted Seattle to win and not the Packers. And you know, I, I'm a very strong believer. It's just, but I, I agree with Aaron Rodgers' take on it when he said, I don't think God's worried about a football game. Maybe the health of the players, but oh no, I'm, I'm a Seattle fan tonight instead of a Packer fan. See, I can understand Rodgers' point of view there. That wasn't Rodgers trying to be an atheist, <laughs> believe me. He was just saying, uh, no. Uh, no, God's not worried about Seattle or, or Green Bay winning the game. He's worried about, you know, guys being healthy. 
Russell Wilson, you've been blessed quite a bit, believe me. Quite a bit, even when you've not been winning as much. Look at all that money you got, you son of a gun. You've been blessed quite a bit. Let's get back to where I need to be. <laughs> so much for the uh, so much for the young guy right now, Mac Jones. Somebody named Billy Zupp and Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is still alive. Former Cleveland Brown about 15, no, it feels like 10 years ago now. Probably more like 7 or 8. But Brian Hoyer, man. And I always kind of liked him. Because he did a good job when he was healthy before he got injured and stuff. Bailey Zapp. Somebody named Bailey Zapp. Well, he threw a touchdown pass to to somebody. Devontae Parker, actually. That's more than somebody. That's the name, obviously. But still. Gosh, that's a weird team. And the Packers only beat them by three in this game. You realize that? New England was up for a little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. Little bits and pieces. But Green Bay, for the most part, for the most part, controlled this game. For the most part, even though it was pretty close. Okay, New England was ahead at times. Green Bay was just kind of screwing around in this game. And New England is well coached, so of course they're going to be hanging in there. But Packers are 3-1. and one. New England is 1-3. and three. Green Bay hanging in there. Aaron Rodgers did throw an interception. And you can't deny... You can't discount the fact that Bill Belichick is still the coach and he was one of the best defensive coordinators of all time with the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl before he became a great head coach um, in Bill Belichick's case. Of course, again, he was a disciple of uh, the big tuna, of course, um, Bill Parcells, when the New York Giants were winning Super Bowls. Hard to imagine Bill Parcells was once defensive coordinator of the New York Giants. A lot of great defensive coordinators of the New York Giants over the years, haven't there been? Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Steve Spagnuolo was a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Unfortunately, wasn't a good head coach, but a great defensive coordinator, no doubt. And he won a Super Bowl with Kansas City just a few years ago. Let's not forget. Everywhere he's gone to be a D coordinator, he's pretty good. Sorry for a sidetrack in there. Aaron Jones, great game as well on the ground with 114. A.J. Dillon also adding 73 of that rock'em, sock'em, smash-mouth football yards. There's Dylan definitely more of the thunder versus uh, versus lightning there. Rodgers, not as great as game, but good enough. The old lizard himself, or Lazarus, or whatever you want to call him, had 116 yards in the air. Good for him on six catches. Crosby made everything. Nick Folk made everything when it came to kicks. But Green Bay just a little better in this one. And they're hanging around. Good thing the Vikings beat them in week one because they'd be a first-place team yet again. Imagine if the Packers are 4-0. Ouch. Chicago Bears. The Vikings will play the Bears or the Bits or whatever. Bears started off so promising, but the other team, the other team out there that everybody saw as this garbage team that would win three, four, maybe five games, maximum six games this year, six and 11. That would be like kind of overachieving a little bit. The New York Giants. They're the Chicago Bears of the NFC East right now, a historic club that's had success in the past, but the last several years have been pretty crappy, to say the least. Outside of that nice jump up year when Matt Khalil, did I call him? Yeah, Khalil Mack, not Matt Khalil, Khalil Mack, first suited up for the Bears and they were awesome. And then you had the double doink bull crap in Chicago that was heartbreaking, frankly. I was rooting for the Bears in that game because who, who, who were the Bears playing? The Eagles. Right after the, they, they crapped all over us the year before. Go Bears. <laughs> but uh, the Giants, yeah, 3-1 and one on the season, out of nowhere. We'll see how long this lasts. 20-12, 20-12. to 
over the Austin Fields-led Chicago Bears. Fields is still healthy, but he completed 50% of his passes, did not turn the ball over, but he did fumble it. Well, he didn't throw an interception, but he did fumble it. He did also run for 52 yards. So when you fumble, I don't know. Uh, Saquon Barkley ran all over this club. Again, smash mouth, old school, tech mobile football yet again. He did rush the ball 31 times, and that's, again, the old days there. 146 yards on the ground, almost five yards a carry. He didn't get in the end zone, but Daniel Jones was able to do that in a couple of scampers. Good for him. Daniel Jones is getting a little better, uh, kind of. No, he's really not, but he showed a little athleticism as he got to be a poor man's Jake Allen in this game. Josh Allen. Why did I call him Jake Allen? He's not a goalie in the NHL. Josh Allen. Uh, Daniel Jones threw for only 71 yards. Oh, crappy quarterback day, but still, they could run on the Bears. And I guess Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook. As long as your shoulder's healthy, hopefully you're still feeling good. Get ready for some fun next week, because, yeah. If, <laughs> I mean, if Daniel Jones can run for 68, Saquon Barkley kind of, you know, sliced through them at almost five yards a carry, despite no massive scamper. He did have a 29-yard run, but that's it. Nothing like crazy, like some 70-yard thing to beef everything up. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see more and more of that run game next week. Again, smash mouth football against a mediocre Bears team in this one. It's going to be, uh, well, <laughs> it's going to be a classic. Vikings versus Bears. Great, great rivalry in the 1980s when the Bears were really good. And the Vikings also had a really good defense. Bears easily could have won more than one Super Bowl during that time. And... I agree with anybody that would say that because I, I heard that from multiple sources, including, of course, Jim McMahon himself on Barrero, I believe it was. Um, that was an awesome conversation about a year ago. Awesome. And, of course, a little talk about 93 when Jim McMahon was a Minnesota Viking. But um, mm, that was that was a team that should have won more. When I think of the Bears, I think of the 1980s. Why do you think I like the Bears all, why do you think I have like a soft spot for the Bears? Because I think of the 1980s. I'm an 80s guy, man. I love 80s music, 80s this, 80s that. I love Walter Payton, sweetness. I love Jim McMahon too, the sun, you know, the sunglass look, whatever. But that's because he had concussion issues and such. The guy had so many freaking injuries throughout his career. It, it was It's scary to hear him talk about it when, when he was in that Barrero interview. So that's another guy who was hurt so many freaking times but kind of kept going. It's crazy. Um, this is going to be, well, it's just going to be a classic matchup. We're so used to playing these guys at home at the end of the season. Instead, it's going to be uh, right here next week. So for the noon game, week five. So it's a far cry from like the beginning of January or so <laughs> for your final game of the season in U.S. Bank Stadium. Instead, it's in pretty early October here, second week. October the 9th, Minnesota Vikings will host the Chicago Bears in U.S. Bank Stadium, which I think should be a comfortable win for the Minnesota Vikings, but you never know. There's a little tricky dickiness of the Bears. Vikings have had pretty good success lately for the most part. Okay, we've sucked in some games, but particularly particularly in Chicago in the past, but, well, it's gotten really weird, actually. All-time series, the Vikings lead 63-57. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But somebody did it somewhere, I guess. And it's really loud and annoying. Sorry, I don't know. This is Golden Valley. Why am I hearing the police all the time? It's kind of weird. Um, but Minnesota Vikings have won two in a row versus the Bears. The Vikings swept the Bears last year, despite the fact it was another meh season for the Vikings. 
but it was the season finale and like a you know a nice little goodbye Mike Zimmer will win in spite of you type of game even though everybody knew what was going to happen the next day or two 31 to 17 Vikings won comfortably last game it's always fun to go way back in the day boy in the 1980s that Bears team pummeled the Vikings in the first half of the 80s because that was you know 83 to 85 ish 86 part of me it was bad oh it was bad Vikings and Bears how many ties have we had with this club these division rivals are classic. So we've had two ties with the Bears over the years. The first game we ever played the Bears was way back in September 17, 1961. Way back in the beginning in the history of the Vikings. We pummeled a Bears team that just, I don't know, wasn't that good, I guess. 37-13. to 13. And then the Bears the next year said, screw, or later that year said, screw you guys. 52-35. to 35. Wow. Epic. Vikings then were beaten four games in a row before there was a tie. Overall, the Vikings remained winless against the Bears for six games in a row, but again, a tie in 1963 on the 1st of December, 17-17 to in Chicago, and that would be Soldier Field because it's always been Soldier Field. The Vikings would win a couple games, or the Vikings and Bears would split a few in a row, and then you had another tie in 1967 and another long six-game winless, winless streak versus the Bears in that case with a tie in the middle there leading up to 1968. And then the 69 and 70 Vikings swept the Bears. Obviously, great Minnesota Vikings team. That was real dangerous and all that. 31 nothing in 1969. That was a great Vikings team. 31 nothing in Chicago. Impressive win. And a way to say, yeah, you guys have been picking on us for years. Now we're going to crush you. Vikings were pretty dominant versus the Bears in the 1970s. Losing in 1971 and in 1972. One in Minnesota, which probably made a lot of people mad in 71. And then two years later, no, the next year, pardon me, in 72, lost in Chicago, 13-10. to 10. But other than that, several wins in a row along the way. There was a eight-game winning streak from December 72 leading all the way up to October 10th, 76. And that's about when the Vikings stopped being good, pretty much. Well, Halloween, yep, Vikings lost another holiday game in Chicago, 14-13. to 13. <laughs> then the Vikings would win in overtime the next year and blah, blah, blah. Be some back-and-forth battles. And then the early 80s came around. Well, 83 to 85-ish. The early to mid-80s came around. And the Bears pummeled the Vikings time and time again. Eight out of nine games went to the Bears from 1983 up to 1987. The Vikings lost a lot of games in 87, despite the fact we were a pretty good team. The Bears swept the Vikings that year, which is crazy. And then the Vikings went on a great playoff run versus the Saints and the 49ers. I talk about it all the time, but it's a nice memory for a lot of us. I remember in the mid-90s, the Bears suddenly, after we'd played so well, the Vikings, from 92 up to 94, the Vikings were beating the Bears and beating the Bears and beating the Bears, and somehow we came back and beat the Bears in overtime in an epic battle at the beginning of December in 94. And it's like, oh my God, we're going to win the division. This is so much fun. And the Bears had become a nice rivalry for the Vikings that year. That was probably the time where I actually kind of hated the Bears a little bit because they were becoming a, a pretty annoying rival for the Minnesota Vikings. They popped up a bit that year in 94, and they did make the playoffs. And then 1995 happened. Well, the calendar switched over to 1995. The Vikings had Warren Moon. The Bears had a guy named Steve Walsh. And, it, and the Vikings lost 35-18 to 18 in a terrible, terrible day. And that's when I first started really thinking, that's when I first started really thinking, the Vikings might not get anywhere with this Dennis Green guy. 
you know, and I was getting tired of Dennis Green at that point because it's like three years in a row now we've lost in the playoffs. The Giants were a little better the year before than us, but the Vikings were far superior to that Redskins team in 92. It was really frustrating. And then this, and then this, Warren Moon, you know, Terry Allen was back. Chris Carter had a historic year. Jake Reed had emerged. We had a nice, young, talented offensive line and some good veterans to go with them. You know, unbelievable defensive line, of course, including John Randall and Henry Thomas. Not defensive line, not all of them, but on the inside. The defensive ends barely existed back in those days. <laughs> Vikings have good defensive ends now, but back in the day, woof, woof, terrible. Um, great linebackers, you had all this talent. And the Bears, well, they had some good defensive players and some talent, but I could barely remember anybody on that team. You know, there were some good players and all that, but my God, it was a joke. Steve Walsh, a quarterback, he made us look like idiots. By the next year, nobody knew who Steve Walsh was other than some guy who beat the Vikings in the playoffs. But nobody else knew who he was outside of us pretty much here because he happened to be from Minnesota. And then the Bears would win a few games in a row after that. It's like they had our number now, na-na-na, boo-boo. Vikings would have some success. Then you had a three-game losing streak in the early 2000s. That Bears team with Dick Duran was really good early on there. A very talented group of, of players. He was pretty good, actually. They had some. Uh, they were they were promising during that time. They didn't do much after winning a lot of games, but they had a promising team in the regular season, and we were part of their victim there. <laughs> and then the Bears got uber duber good in the Lovey Smith era when they went to the Super Bowl in '96 or excuse me '06, the '06 team. Not too surprised they swept that mediocre Brad Childress club en route to their first Super Bowl since 1985. But unfortunately, were crushed by the Indianapolis Colts right after that. Well, once they got there, anyway. And then the 2010 Bears went all the way to the NFC title game, only to get beaten in a very low-scoring game versus the Packers, and went on to win the Super Bowl as the lowest seed, pretty much. Packers were the lowest seed in that playoffs. And, well, yeah. Well, then they won the Super Bowl against the mighty, mighty uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers finally lost the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Oof. Yep, Bears lost over, or beat the Vikings in overtime. Yep, Devin Aroma should do a game. In 2009, that helped undo the Vikings' chances of doing anything, uh, having home field advantage versus the New Orleans Saints. I mean, games like that just were heartbreaking. Losing in overtime to Devin freaking Aroma should do. And then the next year, Devin Aroma should do on the Vikings. Yay! Boy, that meant a whole lot. He had as many yards that year as he did in 2010 as he did in that single game against the Vikings. Freaking Devin Aroma should do. Mm, who could forget that? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone remember that? Yeah, I know sucked. Vikings would then uh, uh, years later in 14 in the Mike Zimmer era would win 7 out of 8 games versus the Bears leading in the 2017 again the season finale on New Year's Eve and off we go into the you know God knows where we won 13 games and it's insanely exciting and my God this is so cool. I remember the very last game in the Metrodome was played against the Chicago Bears. It seems kind of early yeah, but it was the last game ever in the Metrodome. The Vikings would go on the road after that for a few games. It was the last game ever. I know it was against the Bears. And Paul Tuniverse Canniff left Minnesota for about, gosh, how many years? He left Minnesota for about six years, yep. Really sad. Moved to Seattle and then later New Jersey and then came back, just in case Paul's listening. Yep, that was his last day here. And it was the last day ever of the Metrodome to stand. 
as they probably set it up on purpose where the Vikings would not have home games that month because it was time for that stadium to go down. And a lot of people knew that, well, the Viking team was not making the playoffs, so the plan was set, ready to go to tear down that stadium. So that was a sad day to see that thing go down, but it was what it was. You know, obviously all those uh, Twins World Series history is even bigger than some of the Vikings-Bears matchups in the 80s and such in the 90s. But obviously Bears would have some success against the Vikings as they had uh, Khalil Mack for a little while. They would beat up on the Vikings four games in a row. Vikings ended that losing streak in a meaningless 2020 season where, yay, we won in Chicago. And then we won in Chicago again last year with a crappy Viking team, but that meant nothing. And then Mike Zimmer's last game ever was January 9th, 2022, 31-17 route. Sorry for babbling so long, but there's so much history with this team, and I enjoy talking about it. I do think the Vikings win on the ground. I think Delvin Cook reaches 100-plus yards and at least a single touchdown, if not two. But I'll just go the safe route with only one touchdown in the game. Okay, I'm going to go with two, so I don't sound like a coward. 100-plus yards and two touchdowns for Delvin Cook in the game. I do think he will be the Fran Tarkington Award winner next week because clearly you can run on this Bears team. And the New York Giants... Let us know that. Um, the Bears' defense is not what it was, obviously. Not even close. But they, they will get some turnovers, this and that, quite possibly, if you get too cocky, throwing the ball a little bit too much. So wouldn't be surprised if Delvin Cook would reach the century mark. Maybe Alexander Madison also has 50-plus yards in the game, or you get to see someone else get loose. With that said, Vikings win with the final score along the likes of, it's not going to be that high scoring because it just never is, it seems like. Until the offense finally comes out and does something, I'm not going to predict them to, predict them to do so. 27 to 17 Vikings, no, 27 to 14 Vikings win by double digits in this one. Vikings win 27 to 14. With that, we'll take a quick break and get to you guys in fan interaction. Hey, greetings, Joey. Um, I've made London town. Um, flew down today. It's Saturday night, um, so I had quite a pleasant day. Met quite a lot of British and European Vikings fans in a couple of the pubs. Unfortunately, I'm on a, a fistful of different antibiotics, so drinking isn't a possibility. So it was like, well, there's not much point in me hanging around. But the NFL do put on a very good show in London. And if any of you ever get the opportunity to come across the pond... I would highly recommend it. Now, back to last week. As I said, I think I probably texted you or tweeted you or something that I was out for dinner, so I dodged that bullet of watching that game live where I would have probably thrown something at the television. So I sort of fast-forwarded through it at sort of some stupid time in the morning when I got back. And we certainly dodged a bullet against Detroit. Um, They look uh, offensively a legit team. What did concern me was the fact that we couldn't get Goff down. I mean, the guy doesn't particularly move, uh, but there was no pressure. The um, shell defence is just eating up yards as well, which is, is, is concerning as we go forward. Um, but I suppose in some respects they have 
defensively managed to manage to keep the points down, which is, I suppose, impressive. Um, I I don't know about you, but I'm struggling to get a handle on the 2022 Vikings. I I just I don't know what to make of a lot of different things. Um, I expected a lot more from our offense this year. They haven't put up numbers yet, uh, and you have to wonder: Will they? Is this going to be another typical season of we beat the teams we should beat and lose to the rest and end up nine and eight, eight and nine, pretty much like we did under Zimmer the last couple of years, which was for me highly depressing. The difference being, though, that we do have a new coaching staff in place, a new philosophy. So you kind of hope if this team can get out to a lead, instead of, oh, we're going to sit on the lead and let our defence do the work. We can't do that because obviously defence is um, not particularly too good. So um, the obvious thing is put your foot down and rack up some points, which they haven't done yet. Um, I, I think tomorrow's game is going to be interesting. Um, Winston's probably out. Um, which means Andy Dalton gets an opportunity. And he's got nothing to lose, does he? You know, here's an opportunity for a former, you know, top quarterback to get back into the driving seat. So I think we have to be very careful. I hope that our front seven get in there and really pressurise him tomorrow. I think it's the best way to take his optimism perhaps out of the game. If we can get in there and get in his face, I think we win this game relatively easily. In saying that... They've still got weapons that can run the ball. And again, defensively, we have struggled to stop the run. So there is another factor. If we can contain the running game as well, then there's a very good opportunity to come away with our third win in London. So we'd be 3-0 in London, excluding the game back in 83, um, which was basically an exhibition game. But then we would be 4-0. Well, personally, I have to say, Joe, that I am looking forward to a live game once again. It's been four years, and obviously two and a half years of COVID that's prevented me from seeing anything live. Um, and the last game I saw was when we uh, Detroit uh, and sacked Stafford 10 times back in 2018. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to it um, from that perspective, because, boy, have I missed live football. Anyway, my friend. I'm going to clear off. Skull brothers and sisters, let's get a win in London. Let's go to uh, three and one and see where the chips go from there. Looking ahead, the Bears are more than beatable. Um, after that, we've got the Dolphins. And it looks like uh, that would highly likely be our old man, Teddy, coming back to lead that team. I would expect to win there. So potentially, we move to five and one. Then let's start getting interesting. How will this team perform as the pressure builds? I don't know. But anyway, you take care, guys. Um, And as I said earlier, if you ever get the opportunity to come over to London, take it. Skull. And we are back here on Purple Mafia segment number three, fan interaction segment. You got to hear from... Mad Martin, Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland. And, yep, he got to attend the game, and that's very cool. And uh, lots of great, strong takes once again. Obviously glad that you dodged a bullet with watching that Philadelphia game. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. It really wasn't. And the Detroit game was a lot of drama, a lot of this, a lot of that. Uh, He did mention how hoping the Vikings would contain the run versus the Saints. 
it's like we kind of did, but not really, you know, which was kind of annoying. Latavius Murray, of all people, again, former number two running back for Minnesota, even though he ended up being number one most of 2017 of all years. <laughs> you always wonder how the Vikings could have fared with Dalvin Cook, but maybe it would have had home field advantage. Who's to say? Uh, Latavius Murray, though, ran for about, you know, he ran for over five yards a carry, but only 11 rushes. Saints probably could have kept using him. Dalton wasn't exactly that, uh, he wasn't exactly bad in the game either. Just luckily the Vikings defense was good enough in the game. Kind of bend but don't break. And Patrick, Patrick Peterson had a pretty good day. He looked kind of like the Arizona Patrick Peterson today, I think. I think he's been really good this year. With occasionally, you know, he gets he gets burned on occasion. But, yeah, but he's had a better year than last year, I think, so far. Patrick Peterson, generally. Maybe I'm full of crap, but generally I would say so. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, the prospects of the Vikings possibly getting to 5-1. and one. By the bye, by the bye, you know, beating Chicago and the Miami Dolphins now with Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback. That is possible. It's a, it's a strong possibility that that could happen, and who knows? This team could be very interesting. Uh, the thoughts of being in London would be pretty damn cool. I'm just, you know, I'm. <laughs> can I afford it and this and that and all that? But if that day ever comes and the opportunity does arise, yeah, I think that would be. I think London would be one of my top choices. Yes, one of my top choices. I mean, all the history. You know, when Charles became king of England, I started becoming very curious, clicking the, the predecessor of this, you know, from Queen Elizabeth to King George. You know, and this and that, and the George before, you know, in World War One, and just kept clicking back, 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 and I'd clicked so many times, you know, just curiosity, all the different names, you know, how it's it's Charles the Third and George this and George that. It was like what George the Sixth, I believe, most recently, and how King George the Third was the king when uh, George Washington was like the leader of the United States, you know, in the U.S. Army and all that. He was General George Washington. And I kept thinking, wow, it was George versus George, wasn't it? And then way, way back to the Pilgrims days, that was George, which is really crazy. That was another George. Way back in the days of the Pilgrims, when the uh, Pilgrims left England, the church of, you know, to get away from the Church of England and start something over here. And that was really interesting, wasn't it? It's really interesting. It was just George, George, George all the time. And then I just kept clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking because I didn't stop. I'm just always curious and this and that. And I realized I'd clicked back so far into the past. I'd gotten back to about 800 AD, 1,200 years ago. And it was like, you know, like there's just kind of these old, old uh, art styles from that far back. It was almost cartoony looking like what these uh, kings looked like with the art, the art style that far back. But it would have been a cartoon of 1,200 years in the past, that type of cartoon or that type of, you know, artwork. It was just really interesting and really cool. So just thought I'd bring that up as well. So, yes, my interest level of going to London is sky high because of because of that kind of thing. Um, uh, Australia would be another place I'd like to visit as well. <sighs> Let's get to other uh, interaction here. At Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. And of course, Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Always appreciate that. Not sure how active things were today. It seemed like it was kind of quiet. Probably partially because Man Martin was busy. <laughs> Man Martin was at the game and all that. Um, Want to thank Man Martin and Malcolm McSween for retweeting the most recent episode. KJ Clutch is back, episode 378. So, of course, this is 379 already. Um, 
Dave Martin said, just finished the game, whew, but this is what I expected to get anywhere this season. It'll be all about what the offense does. Just enough yesterday. Yep, that was with the Detroit Lions, of course. Malcolm, nope, nope, that was the last one. I was writing about, I don't give a damn about the Twins. This is the Minnesota Twins. It's off topic, but I figure I'll bring it up anyway. The Twins' new uniforms or new scoreboard. Do something in the playoffs. Stop going belly up every freaking year. I'm tired of it. And then Sebastian Barton says yes. Yep. Simply yes. And I, yep, that's good. I was saying great drive and all that. And the Purple Brit retweeted that. Thank you, Purple Brit. Of course, out of England there. Maybe it was at the game. Maybe. Mad Martin says terrible throw from Cousins. Yeah, that was on that stupid interception. And I apologize, I was using my phone to watch the game at the time that these tweets came, so that's why it took me a long time to kind of reply or like or all that, so I apologize for not being as interactive as I should have been on Twitter. I ended up being more Facebooky today, and I apologize, Dave. Uh, he was saying, poor half, and yeah, it really, 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 really was. I was saying the whole extra point thing has to be an urban legend this week. It has to be the urban legend this week. You can make a kick from the moon, but you can't even make an extra point, Lord of mercy. Um... I was saying Saints fans have to be about the most have to be about as unlikable as they get. So cocky, and Sebastian responded back with, "Now they can be cocky on all that post they had to swallow." Hashtag double doink Minnesota versus New Orleans. Yep, agree with you, Sebastian. Thank you for that. It's crazy to think that tweet was at 12:04. I think well, the game just started. How that how that be? No, the game did not start. It had just ended. Mad Martin says we got lucky. Poor game. I feel less optimistic for the season. Cousins' timing was poor. It really was. I, I swear I turned the volume off on this stupid thing. Yeah, it was. The whole flipping game, it just felt like Cousins wasn't really sharp until, until the end. But I guess if you're going to be sharp at the end, just like Detroit last week, um, I guess it's better that you're sharp in the fourth quarter instead of like the first or second and then the other team stomps all over you the rest of the game. So I guess I'll take it in that sense. If you keep winning games one way or another... Let's do it. But can you piece together enough games that we can do something special? That'd be pretty cool. <sighs> what was going on? Yep, uh, there was a possibility that U.S. Bank Stadium was going to host the, the, this game, the Sunday night game. That is in Tampa, and everyone's there and everything. So it's nice to see that uh, Hurricane Ian didn't really affect that part of the state or really at all. So, yeah, it actually missed that part of the state for the most part. Well, no, it didn't, but it didn't really affect that particular area as much as it could have. Um, most recent show, there was no comment, just share, but thank you for the share. Uh-huh, so we'll get to the in-game thread here. And there, everything is relevant, because I said so. I was saying, let's not forget, Andy Dalton has had a ton of success against the Vikings, outside of that crappy Cincinnati team in 2017 versus the best Vikings team in 10 years. Dave Vicky replied with, I know, he's a Vikings killer. I'd rather play Winston. He throws it to the other team a lot, and he sure does. And I was saying, Lewis scene, just like that. Yep, pop. Really sad. No response, but uh, some uh, reactions and such. I was saying, outside of the fake punt and a couple of nice plays, this has been a sorry performance. I have to be honest. If anyone can draw a penalty, it's Adam Thielen. Mike Dale says, Skull, lads, and lassies, let's let's Lynn's farm this Saints team in London. Go Vikings. Yep, thank you for that, Mike. Again, he's out of the New York area, New York State. Why am I interacting as Brave the Wild on Purple Mafia? Facebook's gotten weird, but that's easy to fix now that i figured that kind of stuff out because I'm just so smart, right? No, I'm not that smart, but sometimes I'd like to believe I am. 
in-game thread, please. All comments, please. Please. Okay, sorry. God save the Vikings. Eric Mustard out of South Dakota. Yep, God save the Vikings. Oh, come on. Why am I not liking these? Shame on me. Like, 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 like. There we go. Dave Vicky out of Iowa says fourth and uh, fourth quarter, and you play for field goals. Run on first down every time. Never mind when you run Jefferson for a touchdown. That's okay, but missed extra point. I see OT coming. It just about did. Dave Vicky said we better not play for OT with that much left, and we we kind of sort of did. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't wind up that way. Um, Dave Vicky says I need Thielen or Cook to get a touchdown, and neither of them did. Of course not, right? Mike Dale says, Skull. Okay, I already read that one. Tanae Brown, New Zealand, says, Both the O-line and D-line have been pathetic. Cousins has missed a heap of throws, too. No surprise, it looks like we're going to drop this one. It sure felt like it, and I would never accuse Tanae Brown of being a negative Nancy. You know, some people used to accuse the Bastion of that in the past, because, well, yeah, he's... He gets, uh, yeah, he's not happy with when he sees things, and he, he gets opinionated, and so do I, and I probably lost some followers for that reason on Twitter and such. Like, Twitter really took a hit, big time. The, the face of Craig's not so much. Twitter just got hammered the last two years in 2020 and 21 because I would rant a bit. Um, I, I do not think today's negative for saying that. That was not good until, luckily, like there was that serious drive late Thankfully, and then yeah, Greg Joseph made his kick. It wasn't it wasn't serious enough a drive, unfortunately. Doggone it! Uh, Dave Vicky says you better redeem yourself, Joseph. He does. Now hold on for twenty four seconds. Thankfully, he was able to pull that off. Thank God. Okay, let's make sure here. Okay, Mark Carlson, also out of Iowa, says, I swear we have 10 great opportunities to take this game and seal the Saints in their own tomb of mystery, but no, we have to dink around and dink around. Yes, we did. We sure did. We couldn't get that first down either to run the clock out, which would have been great, but it was already third and nine at that stage, which was really annoying. Mark Carlson says, Saints fourth and four now. If they go for it and convert, my confidence in this D will evaporate. And they did. They did. And it was really annoying. Mark Carlson says, second half, Vikings, can we get some momentum, please? And it was like, we kind of did and kind of didn't. Fourth and nine, go ahead and throw the ball away, Kirk. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was on third and nine. Yeah, but still, it was really annoying. Yes. Dave, Dave Vicky says, I hate to call Cena bust already. But your number one overall draft pick, well, number one pick for us anyway, uh, first-round pick this year, needs to play. Needs to play day one, not come off the bench. He's beginning to look like Mike Hughes, often injured and never good. And then right after that, he was he got the super severe injury. And, yep, he might end up being Mike Hughes. Might end up. That's quite a possibility. Jesse Ball says, is it prime time in England? Asking for Kirk Cousins, yeah, because he was so invisible. Mike Dale says offense is misfiring. These opportunities that the Saints are giving the Vikings could be touchdowns, but they're only converting them into field goals. Saints look awful on offense, but I'm hoping these spurned chances don't come back to haunt us. Just about did. Mike Dale's, yep, and I agree with this 100%. Patrick Peterson coming up aces in pass coverage this drive. Yeah, he was great. Jesse Ball says, y'all like field goals? Yeah. 
Yep, and those long ones. Yep, the Saints were all dancing on the clouds of their 60-yard kick, and, well, luckily it ended up, didn't end up killing us completely. Almost, though. Dave Vicky says, once again, we passed up a touchdown for field goal. Can't win like that. That's true. Mark Collins says, Andy Dalton needs to feel the heat today. Brett McCarthy said, run defense is terrible. Couldn't agree more. He liked the fake punt. There it is. Bring the heat. Yep. My, Brett McCarthy says, Vikings offense is bad. So many opportunities. Yeah, it's been really frustrating. Mark Carlson was talking about the uh, fake punt. Did you just see that? And then the upside down phase. Pretty cool. Justin Jefferson's goal from Brett McCarthy. Brett McCarthy. So now we go to the uh, post-game thread, which in a lot of ways is the feature presentation of this segment. But of course the call-in could be as well. All comments. I was saying, geez, it doesn't get closer than that. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says Saints fans can't really fault that kicker. Well, of course not. 61 yards is tough. And then it, and then the two bounces. That ball could have bounced in any direction. Luck was on the Viking side on that kick. Yeah, what if it went through? What if it did? Tony continues, says, I felt like it shouldn't have been that tough against the Saints backups. I know, not all backups. I'm being semi, semi-facetious. Again, like last week, it was kind of sloppy sometimes. Sorry, I'm like taking deep breaths here. <laughs> Sorry. In the end, a win's a win, I guess, but I wish it wasn't so nerve-wracking And as it's been the past two weeks. My blood pressure does not thank them. I agree with you. It's been ridiculous, hasn't it? Utterly ridiculous, to say the least. Dave Vicky jumps on here yet again out of Iowa. No, out of Iowa says... Wow, I can't believe we won, and it didn't go into overtime. This team is offensively challenged and more defensively challenged. We just can't keep settling for field goals when we need touchdowns if you want to be a playoff-caliber team. Regardless, we're 3-1. and one. Skull Vikings, yep, agree. Tony Coleman said, scenes, season is over. Yep, and it was a scary, scary sight as he was up in the air go, going for the ball and, you know, trying to make the stop, whatever. And yeah, you know, his foot started to drag and then crack a crack a patusha or whatever the heck word you want to say. Yeah, it's just awful. You know, the pressure came down as he was coming down with the gravity and all that. And it's just a very sad situation there. Leland, yep, a couple of replies to that injury. Mark Carlson with a sad face. Leland Albertson out of Iowa says, ugh like Charlie Brown. Yeah, Brett McCarthy says, nice win. We need to get healthy and regroup next week. I feel you. Mike Dale, as we're in the last two comments here, well, three or so. Mike Dale's a sloppy game, but very entertaining nonetheless. Yes, it was. So many missed opportunities. Greg Joseph took his chances. Well, save for the missed extra point. Came up big with nerves of steel for the game winner. 47 yards is nothing to sneeze at. No, no, it really isn't. Quiet day by Delvin. It was, he was good early on, but J.J. and Thielen looked good. couple uncharacteristic drop balls here and there. Offensive line didn't have a good day. No, they didn't. Kirk was on his back and pressured far too many times a day, and he did all right despite all the adversity. Again, far too many drop balls by Vikings receivers. C.J. Ham, well, he's a fullback, so can't really get on his case. Yeah, I mean, it was not a good play decision there. It wasn't a good decision. Uh, Munt, well, he's a tight end, so the hands shouldn't be there, or sh- so the hands should be there, pardon me. 
Defense still has trouble stopping the run, though the secondary looked marginally better. Yes, they did in pass coverage compared to the previous two weeks. Yes, they did. And that was with the captain of the defense, Patrick Peterson, leading the way. And that's why he got the target in this week. The offense wasn't really poor, rather just very inconsistent in the red zone. The Saints gifted the Vikings numerous opportunities with turnovers, but the Vikings just didn't take the initiative and convert them into touchdowns. They could have twisted the dagger and put the game out of reach if they were a little more cynical, or clinical, part of me. Against a good team, Vikes get smoked if they play like they played today. That said, a win is a win. I'm pleased. 3-1. and one. So far, so far so good, but there's room for improvement with this new regime and their, and their new schemes. Nice rhyme there at the end. Skull. Rolls right off your tongue, right? Mark Carlson says... <laughs> This Vikings team could have sealed the game up, but instead left the door open for the game to be close. Drop balls made me crazy today. And I swear we can't get a stop on fourth down. Who are these Vikings? And I will say that Peterson played a critical role. Some amazing moves to deflect the ball. A thriller kind of ending. Let's not do that again. Goodbye, London. Yep. <laughs> and the Vikings, oh yes, like Mad Martin said, are now... 4-0 in London, if you can include the game way back in 83. Yep, one of the few wins of that year, right? Which was a preseason game or exhibition or whatever, you know, like it didn't count as regular season. Mark Carlson, no, Dave's responding to Mark Carlson, says, good thoughts on the drop balls and the O-line didn't help out. It didn't help up any. I would have to say Brian O'Neill with his first ponder award and Tarkington to Jefferson slash Joseph, who though he had the missed extra point. Yep, and of course, again, Jefferson had the drop of touchdown. Jefferson made me mad for a minute, but it's like there's no way in hell I could give him any type of uh, Christian Ponder memorial. But uh, yeah, Brian O'Neill wasn't good today, was he? Brian O'Neill wasn't good. He got beat pretty handily by Jordan. Um, yeah, by Mr. Jordan there. So that was really disappointing. Jordan's his last name, of course, because he's the son of Steve Jordan, Minnesota Vikings. Legendary tight end of the Vikings in the 80s. Yes, the 80s had some good tight, had a good tight end as well. So with that, I better pass out the awards. I think I forgot last week. I'm trying to remember who I even wanted to give it to. Gosh, I feel terrible. Like Mike Dale probably last week. Mike Dale could be just about every week. Mad Martin was way at the top with a cool call-in, and I think today, you could argue today's was even better with all everything with London today. And I want to give it to Dave Martin today. I mean, in London and all that, and he's from, he's originally from the UK and has lived in northern Scotland. I really want to give it to Mad Martin today, you know, obviously, and again, calling in, and it's just a Mad Martin kind of day, it really is, <laughs> in a lot of ways, for that reason, so, you know, when you think about him, every time we go there, you think about him especially, and it's cool that he got to go to the game and all that, so it's a little, uh, extra little icing on the cake, another gold star for a legendary Hall of Fame, Purple Mafia, <laughs> Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, Dave Martin, Mad Martin, Mike Dale, Mark Carlson, you guys get a silver. Uh, Dave Hickey gets a beautiful uh, shimmering with silver bronze, uh, along with, along with, I think there's another. Oh, Tony Coleman for real, absolutely deserves at least a bronze. Great day as well. And you know what? Again, like I always say, you, I, I love you guys so much. Like, I hate not even, I, I hate not giving people stars. But it's like, obviously, the you know, like I keep saying, the more it means. 
is the less they give it to certain people, then they appreciate it more in the future. And, you know, it's just kind of a fun imaginary thing. But at the end of the day, getting recognized is a big deal for anything. You know, and <laughs> there are times, there are times, you know, <laughs> I, I, there are times I see people get recognized at work all the time for doing a heck of a lot less than other people do. And certain other people, myself included, tend to get left out a lot. So I can understand that feeling as well. And if, if, if anybody ever feels that they're getting left out, feel free to let me know. And if, if not, you know, yeah, I mean, I, again, this is more of a fun thing and it's supposed to be enjoyable, this and that. So again, thank you guys so much for everything you've brought to this show. And you guys make me want to keep coming back. You really do. And I feel less and less pressure doing the show because of that as well. Knowing that you're there, knowing that, you know, <laughs> knowing that you're going to make this show better with your comments, more ideas to bounce off of and such and all of that. I just really appreciate it. And again, if there's anything you want me to improve, please let me know. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to be offended if you say, Joey, your second segments are too long. You, you got you to gotta kind of shorten it up a little bit. If you tell me that, I'm not going to be offended at all. If you come to me and say your music's, you know, your, your video game music sucks, what the hell's wrong with you, you stupid nerd or something, I won't be offended, but I'd be annoyed, and I probably won't change it. That actually happened with Brave the Wild uh, sometime last the fall or something. Like, like, get some real music on there. Why do you have to have that crappy old 80s, 90s video game music? And it's because it's part of the identity of the show. I'm not a young, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm 43. And I don't know. And I'm not going to start playing some copyrighted music on here either. So <laughs> you're not supposed to. Uh, and I, I don't know. And I sure as heck don't want to play any modern crap. So no chance. I just don't want to. I'm not young and hip with it, hip and hip with the, uh, in with 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 the young crowd necessarily but i don't dislike you either you're more than welcome to listen to this show if you're 18 19 20 whatever i mean sebastian started listening when he was what 15 16 and i still still love sebastian so i have nothing against anybody that's young and under 20 or under 30 or whatever the heck so don't think that i'm just some old fogey who hates you because i certainly don't if you come in and trash me for uh playing retro video game music I'm not going to hate you, but I don't really like hearing that crap. <laughs> that only happened once, though, thankfully. But uh, any type of relatively constructive criticism is more than welcome on this show. And it's not like I cursed the guy out. I just said, well, I, that's part of the show, though, man. And he, he was not the happiest character. This was a guy with the Brave the Wild episode. By the way, Brave the Wild season preview for Minnesota Wild NHL hockey. If you like hockey and want to hear it, and a lot of you guys live in Iowa, and you have the Iowa Wild, the Minnesota Wild affiliate there. Uh, you know, check it out. Check it out. Listen to it. I had a lot of fun doing that sucker. I really did. So hope you enjoy it if you happen to run into it at some point. With that said, please do write a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, Audible, St uh, Stitcher, and then of course Spotify has star ratings. I don't think you can write review, but if you can, okay, go for it. And those of you that have, thank you so much. Anybody that could in the future, please do. Please do. It really helps the show, and it's been forever since the last one. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if I'm being shadow banned or what's going on, but it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, people get ratings all the time, and my show doesn't. So I'm not sure what's going on. If anybody, if you're thinking about it, please let me know. And if you have been putting ratings down, and they're not showing up, please let me know. Because then, then I'll know something's not right. 
So please do. If you've been trying to make a review and it's not showing up, let me know as soon as possible, please. With that said, have a wonderful week. Skull Vikings, and let's go to 4-1, baby.